Welcome to the Life and Rhythm Podcast, where we hope to equip rhythm communities to be formed by God, with one another, for the good of others, in the valley as it is in heaven. All right, welcome to the Life and Rhythm Podcast. How yeah. are you, Matt? You got a little sparkle in your eye. I do, man. I'm so excited. We get to talk about prayer and fasting again. So this is part two of our Extraordinary Prayer and Fasting episodes, and we get a special guest today. And so... My friend Luis. Yes, Luis Constantine. So tell us... Um, well, you tell us in the episode a little bit about him, so we're not going to go there, but we want to just summarize a bit on what he said and how it connects to us about prayer and fasting, what we've been talking about. One of the things I think is a big factor in all this is what he talks about when he talks about having a monastic heart or a heart that's um, continuously a monastery. What Talk a beautiful to us about phrase. That. Yeah. I've never that. heard that phrase. Never once. Before. But he was talking about the continual nature of prayer mm-hmm. within a monastery that monks and nuns pray unceasingly, and that we can, outside of a monastery, in a distracted world, become the kind of people where our hearts become a continuous monastery, meaning our hearts can become the place where we're actually cooperating and interacting with God in our everyday life. Actually, one of my favorite parts about this podcast that's really going to tick a lot of people off is there's a crying baby Yes, in the background. <laughs> And the reason, yeah, I know you were. And I was on edge as I was having the interview. And the reason I love that baby crying is that it was intentional, wasn't it? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, No, it was not intentional. Matt took the baby's pacifier. No, it it wasn't intentional. However, prayer needs to be connected to the real world. It does. And it's real. You know, Jesus was obviously one of the most dependent people to ever walk the face of the earth. He constantly was focused on his father, depending on the father by the power of the Holy Spirit to live his entire life, including when he encountered crying babies. And so for me, as I was listening to the interview again, I was reminded this is prayer is rooted in the big R reality. It's not otherworldly. It actually is about bringing heaven into earth, even even by a simple phrase of Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy, mercy. on us. I love that. Yeah, I, I mean, that's the, when I think about, you know, when we talk about um, Rhythm Community Church and we talk about a collection of, of churches all over the, the valley, um, that these, these churches, these communities are signposts of something to come, of the kingdom coming. And I almost think about, I don't know, something, an image that came to my mind is almost a a monastery in every neighborhood. Yeah, bro. Um, A a place of rest and of peace. Yeah. And man, I just love that imagery that people can see, not obviously not a physical monastery, but they see our lives as such. Yeah. That we are, you know, when there's a crying baby, I want so desperately for my anger uh, to subside. And the only way that that's going to happen is if I capture my anger rising and saying, Lord, have mercy on me. Mm-hmm. And I understand that what's happening underneath the the surface, I can save face all day long, but I have an angry heart. There's something that's wrong with my heart. 
that I need I need to allow God to continue to mend and redeem and renew. So I love that uh, imagery there. Yeah, bro. Uh, I really think um, I really think y'all are going to enjoy this interview with Luis. And just a disclaimer too, uh, he comes from an Eastern Orthodox background. So <laughs> so for some of you who have never encountered or even interacted with somebody from that tradition, um, I, I hope it sparks some new ideas for Absolutely. you. And that the whole goal of sharing this conversation is to get us together thinking about, okay, first and foremost, the Holy Spirit is in charge of disciple-making movements. When we look at disciple-making movements, we see prayer mm-hmm. and fasting as a key part of how God is entering into his people and overflowing onto the culture around them. And so this is just hopefully a sample size of a million different conversations we could have around prayer of of how you can maybe take some baby steps in that direction and start praying yourself. Absolutely. Well, enjoy the conversation with Matt and Luis. Let's do it. Oh, we're ready to go. Fifteen minutes? Are you sure this is gonna be? I think it's, we're gonna hit an hour at the. No, minute. we can keep it fifteen no, minutes. I don't know. I believe in you. <laughs> it's not me. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. All right, so welcome, my friend. How are you doing today? Good in yourself, sir. Oh, sir, I'm doing good. This is my friend Luis Constantine, and I got acquainted with him because I visited St. Anthony's Monastery in Florence, Arizona. That's a place. It actually exists, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Surprisingly, I found out it's actually the second most visited site in all of Arizona outside of the Grand Canyon. Beautiful. Uh, One of my monthly rhythms is I like to take a day a month and get away to simply be with God. And I've been there a few times now, and it really is, to me, a sacred place to encounter God, to read scripture, to walk in beautiful creation. You have uh, some beautiful fields there, some olive groves. And, um, And so anyways, I got introduced to some of the fathers at the monastery, and they were connected to my friend Luis. And I'm here to just talk about simply, what are those monastic rhythms that they practice there. You know what they practice there on a daily, monthly, yearly basis, as well as some historical rhythms that help people enter into the life with God. Hmm. Big question. That's a big question. Yeah, and let me also say that I'm asking that because we are a part of cultural rhythms that are not Jesus-like, they're not Christ-like, that are actually shaping us and forming us. So I'm asking with the intention of what are some things maybe we can do to better cooperate with the Holy Spirit's initiative in our daily life like the monks and the nuns do. Hmm. And being privileged to have relatives who are monks at St. Anthony's, I got, to, got the opportunity to know the ins and the outs, you could say more, and being Greek. Um, yeah, uh, one thing that is very characteristic, which I'm sure you noticed, mm-hmm. Matthew, when you visited, is that um, the monks who were working outdoors from gardening, yeah, you would see one thing that St. Paul says uh, in the Thessalonians, praying unceasingly. Yeah. And that's something that they do full-time, or they make the effort to be spiritually productive and not idle at any moment. Yeah, I love that. And especially uh, the prayer that they recite is not grabbing a book and reciting the Psalms or other prayers, but especially a very simple, short, seven-worded prayer. Um, It's called the Jesus Prayer. 
It's Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on me. Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on me. And it's a simple summary of everything you need to ask about, really. <laughs> yeah. Whether you need a wake-up call, a kick in the rear for a reality check, <laughs> a smack in the face from being stupid a little bit. You yes, know. we all do that. And at the same time, theologically speaking, the reason why they use those five those three words initially, Lord Jesus Christ, that it's to profess at the same time the divinity, the human nature, Lord Jesus and Christ, uh, who had incarnated God in flesh. Yeah. And imitating, was it the lepers? And how many times you see that throughout the scripture where they're asking the Lord's mercy for everything you need from not just the healing of the body, but the healing of the soul. And one of the characteristic uh, the elements of this prayer is to keep yourself from idle-mindedness especially and being that it's short yeah it is easy to recollect your mind from idle-mindedness you know to thinking stupid things from thinking inappropriate things in reality we live in a society that there's no gray area yeah Christ says it many times in scripture but there's no uh, medium between God and mamonas is that how you say it in English? mamonas? The, 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 the devil, essentially. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. and this is the problem today, living in such a narcissistic society and environment we live in. Yes. Um, and I think it, Jesus dealt with that too, the environment he grew up in, well, ancient him, Israel. The, the, society, the, the culture, yeah, the culture around, around him. Of Jew, the Jews, the Israelites, yes. And yet I when mean, you talk about prayer without ceasing, I hear him saying that. You know, in John 5 or John 12, when he mm -hmm. says, everything I say, I say because I hear the Father saying it. Mm -hmm. So he seems to be in constant connection yeah, with the uh, Father. Obviously, uh, in, the, in the person of Christ, he, he is in nature united with the Father and the Holy Spirit and divinity, obviously. Yeah. For us, we have to ask God's grace to really recollect us and motivate us to pursue cultivating God's grace and presence in our lives and first and foremost, in our hearts. Like Christ says, clean the inside of that yeah. container of yours and then work on the externals you know yeah and we this is the problem with today's society is that they work on the externals yeah and the more you emphasize too much without keeping the healthy balance of both yeah you see these this narcissistic annihilating world we live in you yeah know? and one thing interesting about the monks is that they they have services twice a day traditionally two times a day yeah um they have uh, Vespers. Um, let me emphasize that all the services are, are predominantly uh, comprised of the Psalms uh -huh. of David and other hymns that were written later on in Christianity and Christian history. And um, they have a very fixed schedule, which is not obviously able to be done by us lay people in the world. So what we can imitate from those monks and the nuns is that zeal Yeah. to that, okay, you can't do seven days twice a day or three times or seven times a day like Old Testament says to worship God. You could turn that heart of yours into a continuous monastery. Mm. And it doesn't mean that just because you're married or you're celibate in the world or you're monastic that you can't pursue that continuous yearning towards God. And am I correct in just uh, to break down for people who have never even been to a monastery before? The word comes from the Greek word manas. Monos, yes. Monos, monk, which means alone. Alone, yeah. Yeah. So monks and nuns are really, 
It's, uh, in Western Christianity, because this practice of the monastic life has been very limited and almost little. Yeah. Whereas in the Orthodox countries in Eastern Europe, it's almost like a part of your culture. <laughs> uh, I mean, nowadays, now that so the world's secularized, even in Eastern Europe, they, those who aren't practicing Christians, they make fun of them. Oh, that's monastic mentality, fanatic, fundamentalist. But isn't that the same mentality that they accused Christ of? You know, really? <laughs> you know? Yeah. So really, what happens is that a monk has left the external affairs and distractions of the secular everyday lifestyle. And uh, he has cut himself from all those elements to dedicate himself fully to God. Yeah. And that's something uh, that the first Christian monk in history, St. Anthony, did. He lived when the break, uh, the break of the persecutions ended with Constantine in the fourth century. Yeah. After seeing how secularism was breaking in into the church and how Christians were not living piously, uh, he preferred living in the wild desert. He was Egyptian, in the wild desert of Egypt with the wild animals and then with the wild people yeah. instead. <laughs> and this, you could say, is almost a rebellion, a revolution yeah. against the ways of the world. St. Augustine says something pleasant, despite his many theological treatises that he's done dangerously with too much, too much bad brain work, you could say. <laughs> But uh, he, he does make a very interesting uh, comment that now that the persecutions have ended, he said, he was a contemporary also when yeah. that happened, Yeah. that not many people will be going to paradise, he said. Yeah. Because he saw the danger of secularism, which is the, the number one problem since Adam and Eve. Yeah. The devil threw, served them that, uh, that, that plate of, you know, let's secularize a little bit. Why not eat that fruit from that tree? Mm -hmm. Instead of following, just simply exercising their free will and exhibiting that they want to have a relationship with God. So going back to something you said earlier, which I want to make clear for everybody listening, it's the monastic practices, the rhythms, Bible engagement, prayer. Um, these are not ways of cleaning the outside of the cup just so we look better. That these no. are, right? Yeah, no. <laughs> Especially just if you see a monk, he has a hair, he doesn't cut his hair, he doesn't uh, <laughs> shave his beard, the nuns, the, you know, they're pretty dressed up, yeah. no exposure, both the men and the women. So yeah. really, it, it is a rebellion in the 21st century because what is there left? Yeah. And obviously the externals help. If you're yes. in an environment that tries to emphasis, emphasize on prayer, repentance, love of God, you know, how could you not dress modestly? Right. This is a big problem, you know. Yeah. Uh, but I like what Richard Foster says in his book, The Celebration of Discipline, talking about rhythms, spiritual habits. Mm -hmm. He says that the spiritual practices uh, in themselves don't make us holy, mm -hmm. that it's actually just a way of cooperating with the Holy Spirit's work and actually putting us on a path mm -hmm. of transformation with others as the Holy Spirit does that, mm -hmm. that internal work. And I, I'm extremely fascinated with monasticism and mm -hmm. the history of it because I do think that our cultural rhythms are shaping us mm -hmm. more than our Christian mm -hmm. following Jesus, being an apprentice of his mm -hmm. rhythms. And I've known friends of mine who have grown up going every week, every Sunday, I wake up, mm -hmm. I put on my best clothes, I go and I sing for an hour mm -hmm. and that's my rhythm. Mm -hmm. And then uh, maybe if I'm a really good Christian, right, quote unquote, I give some of my money to the church and I even serve maybe another hour and then every day maybe I piously do like 10 minutes of Bible study. Mm -hmm. um, but what you're talking about, the monastic way of life is 
is where these rhythms actually infiltrate every nook and cranny of our lives. Every second, we eat, every breath. Even as every, you fall asleep yeah, at night. And when you wake up in the morning and every, all the meals throughout the day, that that can be saturated with God's initiative, with yeah. God reality. Yeah, it's, it's, the, it's what the, they would say in the later church, the ascetic lifestyle. Yeah. You cannot separate the Eucharist, the Holy Communion, the sacramental life of a Christian, like Paul emphasizes, if you don't eat the body and blood of the God-man, and the ascetic life, which you see again, Paul, James, John, and all their letters about how to box against the devil, yeah. not only on Sunday, yeah. but every day of the week and every <laughs> second of the week, yeah. because the reality is that the enemy does not sleep. Yeah. So whether you like it or not, if you are not continuously in Christ's rhythm, yeah. in Christ's frequency, yeah. then there's no gray areas. I like, I like that phrase, boxing well, because, with the devil. That's a good Until imagery. you die, you're going to be fighting. Yes. So look, whether you're married, celibate, or monastic, you still have to fight against sin. And yes. okay, there is difference in those who have matured and developed in Christ and have a different state. But if you're not dead, you're not done. You're not done. You'll never be safe. No yes. one is safe. If Judas, who was elected, and just like yes. Nicholas of the seven deacons in the book yes. of Acts, they had the Holy Spirit, they had the potential of becoming mm-hmm. apostles. And you see Peter made a mess too. <laughs> and then you see his nephews, Sal- Salomai's mm-hmm. sons, John and James, saying, yeah, left and right. Yeah, can we have a nice Can we season? have a nice little seat so at the table? That was before Pentecost, before the Holy Spirit knocked some sense into them yeah. and gave a reality check, you know? Yeah. And that's why the, 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 the interesting element of the monastic is that he has a continuous drive to Christ. Yeah. And the funny thing is, I don't think I've told you about that privately, is that in the monasteries, there are no mirrors, in yeah. fact. Yeah. And the, the why is not because combing your hair is wrong, or good, <laughs> you can clean yourself up a little bit. But one of the main reasons a monastic does not want to see his face, but he wants to reflect himself on Christ's image and likeness. Wow. On, by whom we are created. Yeah. You understand? Yeah. And this is something that today... We like, you know, like you said, we work on these externals, but man, we are very internally ugly. Yeah. <laughs> so, so let me ask this question, kind of in wrapping it up. You and I could talk for an hour about uh, this. Hour. At yeah, least I don't think we'll days. ever stop we, this Yes, hour. our friendship. But <laughs> my question is for those listeners that are asking the question, okay, I hear what you're saying. I'm looking at my own life. There's ugliness there. I'm boxing with the devil. I feel like I'm losing, right? And I'm... I'm reading my Bible and I'm going to church on Sundays. Mm. What would be some simple next steps to just start becoming more of a non-anxious, cooperative friend of Christ with the Holy Spirit for the glory of God and the good of others? What would you recommend? Here's a first step Mm. for you in entering into Mm. this way of life and training yourself in this way of life. It's interesting. It depends obviously on if they had a Christian upbringing or not. But one of the basic things we see especially at St. Anthony's Monastery, being visited and bombarded by all kinds of people, whether they are Orthodox or not, or Christians or ignorant. And people with problems from drug addicts, uh, you name it, uh, money problems, sex addiction, all kinds of addictions, your own ego addiction, is essentially really deciding with yourself, what is your priority? Do you want to have a relationship with Christ or not? Mm. Okay, it doesn't matter what you did, 
where, how, how much, and yeah. how much addicted to you, you that you are. The one thing is that important is, do you want to have a relationship with Christ? Fine. Then start doing these little things that are, they may seem be robotic and mechanical. Yes, going to church helps. These are useful tools. Yeah. You need to go to God's house. If, how are you going to show a presence at least in his house, you know, <laughs> yeah. and cultivate God's grace and even the temple of God? Praying. Praying is not just five minutes of prayer at nighttime before going to bed, five minutes when you wake up, but also praying, try to pray unceasingly like the monks do, saying the Jesus prayer, Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on me. If you can't vocally because of work or something, try intellectually. And if you can't even recollect your mind, try to have good thoughts. Yeah. Think, contemplate on what they say, vigilance. Because sin does not start by doing the action. It starts from the bad thoughts that we get assaulted from, from the devil. Yes, it begins with thoughts. And so, look, no one says it's going to be clear or clean streak, but start slowly, slowly, and don't raise the bar of expectation on yourself that you're going to have an elite perfect score. (laughs) But look at how to be God-pleasing here and now. Don't worry about tomorrow. Yes. And if you could start called it praying, and start reading the Bible, yes, and read it and pray before reading the Bible and after. Yeah. And not just reading the Bible knowing verses, which it seems to be a common phenomenon today, but literally seeing behind and under those letters yeah. the Holy Spirit, which is present in the Holy Scripture. Yes. And, you know, along with being vigilant, along with humility, cultivating a humble mindset, you know, don't think... Yeah. bombastic of yourself. We live in times now, kids grow, we all grow up egotistically and prideful. Yes. And you know, I don't think one episode is enough. Everybody. <laughs> well, what I hear you saying is I hear you echoing the words of Jesus in Matthew 6, where he says in the middle of the Sermon on the mountain, mm. seek first mm. God's kingdom and his righteousness. And I, I believe what he's saying by that is, all of reality is saturated with God's initiative. Mm. Every, every part of your day has to do with this God reality. Mm. And I hear you saying throughout our day, turn your heart and turn your mind towards God. Seek what he's up to. Ask in every situation, what are you up to? How can I join you? And remember that it's his righteousness. His goodness is that you're seeking. You're not seeking your own. You're not seeking perfection of the highest score. You're seeking to attach yourself to his perfection. And so I want to say thank you for joining us. Thanks for being my friend. Thanks for laughing <laughs> with me. I love you, brother. And you too, uh, hopefully we can continue this conversation. Yeah. Till, till the next episode, probably. Yeah. <laughs> God bless. Thank you. God bless. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Life and Rhythm Podcast. We are on mission to live freely and lightly with one another for the good of others. Peace.